You're listening to Further Faster in association with Montaigne, the podcast that asks ultra-athletes, mountaineers, and explorers the why and the how. Hello, and welcome to Further Faster in association with Montaigne. My name is Daniel Nielsen, and it's my job to talk about the ultra-athletes, the mountaineers, and the explorers to find out why they do what they do, how they deal with danger and fatigue, and how, ultimately, they succeed. This month, we spoke to a remarkable character. Uh, Tom Ballard is one of Britain's most consummate climbers and has mastered all manner of techniques. Climbing is all he's ever wanted to do. Perhaps no surprise, given his mother climbed the Eiger while six months pregnant with him. He lives largely out of a van these days across Europe and spends his days climbing, moving on and climbing some more. He lives it. In this podcast, speaking from the Dolomites, Tom opens up about soloing six European mountains in winter in one season, a feat his mother, Alison Hargreaves, completed in summer when Tom was a little boy. He also talks about risk and his preparation for major climbs, as well as his passion for dry tooling. It's an enlightening interview with an extraordinary talent. Listen in. Okay, yeah, so here I am with uh, T- Tom Ballard, um, mountaineer and alpinist. Um, how, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good today, yep. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, tell, tell us where you are. Uh, so I'm in the Italian Dolomites, so in the north of Italy. Um, okay. The sun is shining. Um, uh, can you, can you see like the mountains? To... I can, just about if I look out the window, I can see the mountains, yeah. Excellent. Uh, they look glorious. I'd rather be there than... Been talking, but anyway, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> knees must. I'm afraid, um, but yeah, we've got, there's there's loads of things that we want to um, want to talk about and, and and kind of go through with you. You've you, you've accomplished some incredible things, and really, what we want to do in this podcast is get to the get to the bottom of why you do it and 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 the bits that you just kind of really really enjoy, and maybe also learn a few habits and things like that. Um, so, are you out uh, in the Dolomites full time ish? these days um yeah i seem to spend a lot of time uh here in the dolomites mm-hmm. um but i mean i live out of my my small van uh and so uh, wherever the weather is good or whether wherever i fancy climbing um i can i can pretty much pick up and and drive there and, and climb there whenever um but yeah I, I have a special uh affinity for the dolomites mm-hmm. i spent quite a few years here um with with my dad we we camped for two years in a campsite wow. uh, and in yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it was really good um when was that spring, spring summer winter autumn um that was just uh quite close to where i am in in Perdifassa. um so we were there from i think 2013 until uh, 2015 uh and it was yeah it was a good time so i was able to explore the the local mountains um, and get to know them really well, and and then because you know the, if you when you visit an area for the first time, you sort of you go by you read the guidebook, um, you look on topos online and stuff like that. You think, oh, okay, there's a cool, there's a nice thing to climb over there. You see maybe some nice pictures. You go there, but then um, when you then sort of stay somewhere longer, you kind of discover um, places that other people haven't been to. Um, sure. So I was able to discover my, I was able to climb my own new routes, um, sort of, you know, so you sort of delve a bit deeper into the, to the area and it's, yeah, it's really cool. Okay. So, and, and, and I guess you kind of see, you, you get kind of an intimate, intimate knowledge of the area, but also 
kind of across the seasons as well. I mean, you climb in summer and winter. Yeah, I mean, the thing exactly the thing about the, the Dolomites is um, for sort of half of the year, there's, there's absolutely no one here. Um, so, I mean, the summer is really busy. Uh, and then in the winter, is really busy for skiing. Um, but in the spring and autumn, there's absolutely no one here. All the hotels are closed. All the lifts are closed. It's absolutely idyllic because often there's really good weather um, and no nobody around. It's just really, really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and so how how long have you been kind of on the road on in your in your in your camper van? Um, we I think since two thousand and eight. No, sorry, two thousand and nine. Uh, January two thousand and nine. We we set up from Scotland. Um, and yeah, so a long time we've sort of been on the road. Uh, we've we've been we were in Switzerland for uh, a couple of years, and then traveling around. And then I was yeah stayed in the Dolomites for a couple of years, and then now the last two years I've sort of been traveling around more, but still sort of always coming back to the Dolomites. Right. Okay. Uh, and and sort I of, mean we've sort of done circles. We've done kind of circles around the Alps. Uh, sort of keep going back in in, in a circle. Right. Uh, but yeah, been good. Okay, and and I mean, this is the way of life now, isn't it? Do do you feel this is a kind of a transitory moment in your life, or is it like this is how I live? This is uh, at the moment, it's kind of it, that, that's 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 how I live. That's how I experience the mountains. Um, I mean, some people would maybe say like a a vagabond alpinist um, yeah. kind of thing, uh, but yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, good, good. Uh, I don't know. If it's, it's a transitory period in my life. I mean, it's kind of it's been like this for the last uh nine years so it's kind of you know it seems normal to me um, yeah i bet <laughs> um and and, and you, you don't you don't pine for a for a you know two stories <laughs> in a house um, or a... yeah it would be nice but you know then you then you have you sort of you're kept somewhere you have to you have to be there you have to pay for that you have to you know it's a whole another set of things to do um sure so the van is just right back up yeah. Off, yeah. And the, you know, the ultimate freedom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Theoretically, yeah. That's no, it's good. Good, good, good. No, okay, so we we're gonna we're gonna be talking a, a, a few a bit a bit about some of the you know, some of your achievements in the past. But what's uh what's getting you excited now? What what are the things that kind of you know, where where would you rather be right now? What would you be doing if you weren't talking to uh, me? <laughs> uh today, uh climbing. Um uh, yesterday I spent the day um in a, a cold well it wasn't that cold it was nice it was cool cool dark wet cave mm-hmm. um where all around was sunshine so about about five me- like two or ten meters away from the cave we could see the sunshine and right. we were climbing in, in this cold dark cave okay why um, <laughs> why yeah good question why that is the question <laughs> so the, the sort of let's say the dark side of the climbing the other <laughs> The side that climbers don't really talk about is is dry tooling. Okay. Um, so so was, so just for people who aren't uh, you know familiar with it, what what explain kind of roughly the the sort of the discipline of dry tooling. Dry dry tooling dry tooling effectively is just um, climbing on rock with ice tools. Okay. Which doesn't make any sense, but it does make sense. Uh-huh. Basically, it came from from ice climbing. Yeah. So when when Sort of standards of ice climbing rose and people climbing uh, steeper and harder and, and narrower ice. Mm-hmm. Then they 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 saw these ice features which didn't necessarily touch the ground, um, which you had to climb rock to to reach. Yeah. Um, and so 
they decided to use the ice tools to climb the rock to reach the ice. Okay. Which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Because um, obviously the rock you, around ice usually is quite wet, uh, maybe quite dirty. Um, and so you can't really rock climb normally with the hands. Yeah. Um, and it's also cold. Um, so using the ice tools kind of makes sense. And you could transition onto the ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's called mixed climbing. Yeah. And then sort of over the last few years, um, dry tooling has really sort of grown as people have sort of, well, as there's been less ice in the last few years, mm-hmm. uh, especially in Europe. Right. Uh, right. It's been warmer winters. And so we've had less ice is sort of not, not formed during the winter. And so we've sort of, when we, we, we sort of say it's a train, we say dry tooling is a training for ice climbing and mixed climbing. Um, but actually, there's, there are quite a few of us who actually just like to, to dry tool. We like to hang around on a on a steep roof um, uh, from our ice tools, uh, getting completely just just trying to you know a bicep bulging and uh-huh. spinning around with no feet. It's just really fun. Um, but uh, so, but so- I think I think dry tooling. Um, I think it helps my or has helped my alpinism um because suddenly if you if you're used to climbing across a 50 meter roof with ice tools Mm -hmm. if you then go on a like a 50 degree uh snow slope it feels really easy you know suddenly it's like well you know i or if you have then more difficult mixed climbing in a in an alpine face um it feels easier um than what you've been training on so sure. so d- does it feel you know, as though you can you're, you're kind of pushing your own boundaries in terms of it from a technical perspective and from a strength perspective so when you go back to other stuff it seems easier yeah exactly um that's the whole point you're you're, you're pushing um your your physical your body as far as it can go i mean you're you're, you're, you're hanging on by your you can barely hang on yeah. uh, you thought you would you would have fallen off five moves before Right. Um, you, you, you continued, um, and then, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just the, the strength and the techniques I, for me, transfer into the mountains. Okay. You're not, you're not going to find a, a 50 meter roof, uh, on a big, on a big mountain, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the, it's the, you're still using ice tools. You're still, um, climbing on rock with ice tools, even if there's maybe some ice and snow and grass, neve, whatever. Yeah. Um, so for me, it does transfer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and, and is there a grading on, on for dry tooling? Yeah, so grading starts from one, uh-huh. um, which you you can sort of, you don't actually need the tools, you can sort of walk up, okay. um, and goes all the way up to currently 16. Right, right. Um, and, and, and where are you? So uh, a couple of years ago, I was the first person to, to grade a route 15. Okay. Um, but the last two, last two seasons, standards are really jumped suddenly every sort of caught up mm-hmm. um and they've really jumped forward um and then so there's a few routes other routes have been climbed at uh, d15 uh and d16 now okay okay and and do you do you feel that need to kind of compete with your peers do they does that drive you on to be better or, or is there something else that drives you uh, no i think it's more uh personal person i mean when i climbed the 15 I knew I could climb much harder. It wasn't that hard. It didn't take me that long to climb. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I could, I, it was in me to climb harder. I could, I could hold on for longer. I could do harder moves. 
Right. Um, just in the last two seasons, I just haven't quite um, reached the the same um, physical uh, physical physicality as as I was the, the season before. Um, Why is that? Do you think? Uh, I just didn't try to as much. I think because when in 2000, so in 2015, in 2015 to 2016, I spent a lot of time developing this huge roof in the in the Dolomites right. where I was playing yesterday. Um, like it takes a lot of effort just to even uh, put the bolts in and, and make the the roots. Mm -hmm. um, I spent a lot of time there climbing, um, and after that, I was sort of didn't have the the passion as much to to go go back again and and climb and, and get stronger again in the same place. Right. So right, I sort right. of, you know, I found, I found other places to go and other things to do. Okay. Um, a bit like after the six month phase, I also didn't do as much climbing uh, in a similar style. Right. Um, you know, I, I did other things. Um, that's and that's one thing that I really like about climbing is there was everything from from five meter high boulders to eight thousand meter peaks. You know, this and everything in between. It's just such a diverse. I don't really want to call it a sport, but you know, I don't know another word. It's it's so many different aspects, so many different facets of climbing. That's really why it's really interesting. Right, and and you do you feel the need eventually to specialize, or are you you just kind uh, of enjoying no, I think, this mix now? And... Yeah, I think I think you cut. Yeah, I mean, there are some people who specialize, but then you end up with one season where you don't, you, well, you may don't actually do what you're speciality because um you know it's winter summer mm -hmm. um so i that's why this climbing is so special because okay you can spend the winter ice climbing mixed climbing dry tooling and then in the summer you can go rock climbing you know in the sun um and then back in the autumn we can start training for dry tooling again um yeah and that's that's why i like climbing because it's so there are so many different aspects i think if you spend you spend too long concentrating on just one aspect um you would probably get bored you know it become yeah it's nice to do other other aspects of climbing yeah sure sure i can see that and okay so tell us a little bit about the um you you we were talking about projects earlier climbing all the six um uh, face of the Alps in winter. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about the genesis of that project. It's one of your, you know, you, you mentioned to me it's one of you think it's one of your greatest achievements, or at least one of the things that you're most well known for. Um, yeah. So, t how did it come about? T tell us what it was first. So, Start and Storm first came about really from the French guide Gaston Rebofin, mm -hmm. um, who was the first person to um, repeat all of the 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 six north faces of the Alps, and he wrote a book called Starlight and Storm. Okay. Um, so he was the first person to kind of um, put these six north faces together as a little group. Right. Um, um, I, think, I, don't know, I don't know why particularly these six north faces, maybe because at the time they hadn't had very many sense. There was still a lot of, um, you know, especially the Iger and stuff, there was a lot of, still a lot of... Um, Bad feeling, and uh, uh, everybody was really scared of the Iger and mm -hmm. and the other North Face, you know, because all these tragedies and everything. And so there was a kind of certain myths about certain faces and stuff. Um, so I guess that's sort of partly why. Sure. Yes, these six. Um, and so from that book, then I don't know for alpinists, it's kind of a 
almost a rite a rite of passage. Okay. These six north faces, kind of, you know, it's like a something you sort of have to do. You sort of aspire to do. Mm-hmm. I, I know lots of people who are, who aspire to climb the six north faces. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just something really special. It's really real. I mean, climb, climbers are a bit like stamp collectors. We sort of, you know, we have to have a little collection through a certain, you know, we have a little list of routes we want to do. Right. Um, okay. It's very really anal, but uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's not all. Well, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a very careful sport, isn't it? It's very considered. Well, yes, it is. I mean, it, it seems like it's really dangerous, and you just sort of chuck yourself up a mountain. But it's there is a bit more thought to that. Yeah. Than, you know. Um, so after Gaston, um, then the next thing he did it over several several seasons, several years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next thing to do was to. Well, after that came the the enchantments of doing three. So. Um, there was the French French climbers in the in the eighties were doing like uh, the Matterhorn, um, the Eiger, and the Grand Jurass mm-hmm. in like twenty four hours, and you know these sort of enchantments. But no one sort of um, thought about doing all six together. Right. Um, and it wasn't until my mum in ninety three um, that she decided to to try to climb all six in a single season. So in some in a, in summer season. Right. Um, that's Alison Hargreaves. Yes. Yeah. So she, the weather was this really was really bad summer, uh, but you know she managed to to fit them all in within the summer season. Okay. Um, and as a family, we were we were together. Um, so my dad, my sister, and I we we waited waited uh, in the campsite uh, while my mum climbed. So I was very much a part of the whole whole thing. Right. Um, Did you? So, guess, so how, how old would you have been at the time? Uh, I was uh, five. Okay. And and do you remember being kind of invested in her success? Were you? You know, was uh, it? No, I I don't. Rem- I remember very little okay. um, from that period. Snatch, snatches here and there. I don't remember anything about her going off climbing or right. or her coming back. Or I don't remember any anything about her actually climbing. I just remember bits and pieces where we, where we were. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, being part of that. I mean, subconsciously, that must sort of have have some have had some sort of impact on me. You know, being whole part of that that thing. Um, and sure. then, uh, yeah. So then, years later, when I became more interested in climbing and and my climbing experience and my my sort of passion for climbing when I was still at school sort of grew, mm-hmm. I, I sort of had this dream of. Of climbing all the six north faces, but in winter, because um, right. it's something on you know, you know, everybody likes to find their own way of doing things. You know, something unique to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so to climb all six faces in winter seemed um, like a really you know an interesting thing to do. Sure, um, well, I didn't really think that much more about it until uh, one day in 2014, I think it was June. I just suddenly, uh, the idea came into my head, oh, this winter I should try to climb the six north faces in winter. Um, okay. So I'll start from there. Did you, okay, so just going to skip back a, a bit. Um, so so it, this was an idea that you'd formed over several years and kind of <laughs> dreamt about almost of doing these in yeah. in winter. Was the, And when you were at school, where, where, where were you at school? In, in Scotland? Yeah, so I went to school in Scotland. Okay. Um, uh, and, and were you climbing quite regularly from a young age? Yeah, I mean, at first, after my mum died, um, 
we didn't climb very much. I think my dad sort of wanted to, to distance us from, from that. Yeah, um, yeah. But we, we, we went mountain biking and canoeing and, and lots of other outdoor stuff um, with, mm-hmm. like, as a three and also with other families. And so we were very much part of the outdoors. Yeah. And then naturally we sort of started climbing. Um, okay. uh, but, oh, and then... Oh, and was, the it encouraged, then, was it encouraged by your family as well to climb? No, no, my dad didn't encourage me to climb at all. Right. Um, I think he want, really wanted to keep us kind of distant from the whole thing. But he wanted us to only climb if we ourselves wanted to particularly. So, we, I mean, climbing was a part of, like, other activities that we did. And then, and then I don't know, somehow we, I just ended up climbing more. Yeah. Um, and so eventually, by the time I was at high school, it was just I was only climbing. I wasn't doing anything else. That was my main passion. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, okay. So um, then the opportunity came came up. You had a, a, a well a, a, a winter season to kind of um, do it. Did you feel as though it by then it was within your capabilities, or were you taking a, a large punt on trying to do it? Um, yeah, it was certainly within my capabilities. I knew, I knew it was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, what, but what I didn't know would how how the weather would be, how the conditions would be. You know, right. you can say, okay, I'm going to go and, and and do this, but you know, if the weather and the conditions are against you, it's, it's not going to happen. Sure. Um, so in that case, I was incredibly lucky. Um, I picked probably just about the perfect winter to do it. Um, what, because, what, what is I mean, the perfect winter to do it? Just um, cold, cold and clear. Well, not much snow to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, especially for the pizza bedile. Um Pizza Bedile always looking ahead. Like, I when I've dreamed about this this project, always the, the sort of the the one that if I climbed that one, the rest would be easier to to get. You know, they come into condition more. Okay. Pizza Bedile, because this is basically this big granite slab. Yeah. Um, there's any snow at all. It just kind of sits on the slab. It doesn't go anywhere, right? Um, and so you'd have, it would just take days to climb. You just have to brush off all the snow and try and find the, the cracks beneath. Right. Okay. And um, and, and, and is that the te- mo- technically most difficult one? I would say the techni- technically most difficult. Yeah, because it's also only had. Um, I think mine was the uh, the second or third solo ascent. Um, right. Depending if you you believe the other ascensionists. Okay. Um, okay. And 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 until. Well, until the last two years, it only had very few um, winter ascents by roped parties. Um, right. So, of, of the of the six North Face that had had the, the fewest mm-hmm. uh, winter ascents, because it just doesn't come into condition um, as much as the other ones. Sure. Uh, until the last the last two winters, there's actually there's been a lot more ice on the on the face. It's been different for a short period, but um, so I already knew that that was kind of the key to the whole project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and. And when you were, I mean, what kind of, yeah, let's kind of just stop on this one. What kind of, do you find yourself having to, do you go about things in a fairly kind of matter of fact way? Or do you feel as though the need, you kind of have a need to prepare mentally? Or is it, are you very much about process and making sure your equipment's right and that kind of thing? What what, what are the kind of the, the characteristics of starting out? A difficult climb like that um yeah i guess first you've got to kind of uh for me i before i i can climb something i sort of have to sort of 
I visualize myself being at the top, okay. like visualize myself having climbed it. Um, and it's not, that's not something that I can conjure up. It's something that has to come to me before. Okay. Um, so if I, I, if I, yeah, it's kind of, it sounds really strange, but it, it, yeah. So there's certain things that I can, I, I can sort of imagine myself doing. Right. And so when the time comes, I don't know when, when that's going to be, but uh-huh. um, when okay. the time comes, I'm, I'm already partly prepared. Okay. Uh, at least mentally. I mean, the, the physical aspect is completely different, but if you've got the mental aspect um, already prepared, then the physical kind of will, will follow on. Okay. Um, so so yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not kind of like a, um, it's not a mantra that you repeat to yourself, I, you know, or, you know, I mean, th- th- this idea of visualization well, is something that is, you know, is, is, is kind of a, a well-known technique, especially uh, uh, among, among athletes, but it, it just comes to you first. It's not something yeah, it's that, not you've, something you, need, that you can force upon yourself. No, I don't try and I don't try and visualize myself climbing something. Mm-hmm. Something that comes before. Yeah. So it could be like a long, long. Like for instance, um, even when I was even at school, I could, I had, I could sort of see myself doing these things. Right. Um, right. I didn't. I didn't know how. I didn't know when. I didn't know with what. Um, but I, I sort of knew that I was going to be there at some point. Okay. Um, and, and are you quite patient with this? I mean, do do you kind of? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and do you you put that down to some of your successes? You know, you there's, there's there's something within you that just feels I'm not ready for this now, but right now I am ready. No, I, don't, I think it's more of a. I don't think it's to do with success. It's more of just maybe I'm just maybe a, a more in general more patient person. Maybe. Um, I mean, I, I can be quite impatient and quite, but. Generally, I'm I'm more patient, more kind of, I allow things to happen, mm-hmm. uh, sort of go with the flow more, rather than trying to fight against things. Okay. Um, I mean, I have like, I have lots of things that I want to do, and but I don't sort of concentrate as much maybe as I as other people do. So, you know, certain people have a goal and they go straight towards that goal. Yeah. Whereas me, I have sort of have various goals, but I sort of allow myself to be pushed one side to the other. You know, not yeah. in a straight path, but sort of. You know, oh, oh, that looks good to do, or someone says, oh, we should come go there, and, you know. But eventually I will reach the goal, but it has sort of takes longer, you know, longer, more like a winding river sure. uh, rather than just a straight road. Okay, nice. Um, And, okay, and, and is that similar to the way that you climb as well? Uh, I think so, yeah. I mean, because, because I have so many, I, I enjoy so many aspects of climbing, sort of I get sucked into to one aspect and then sucked into another one and mm-hmm. uh, and then it turns out that the, the ice is really good here so we go here instead of doing something else and then you know it's so many different things to do there's too much to do the problem is there's too many places to go too much right. to do and not enough time well you're doing pretty well <laughs> <laughs> um okay so let's go back to the um let's get back to your the the project then the six out so you, you the first one which was the most technical climb was it with with their moments on well, there visibility was the second one the first one was chima grande because i was already okay. based here in the dolomites um the first one with the right at the beginning of, of of the winter season 2014 um 20 21st of december 2014 mm-hmm. was chima grande okay okay um and and did you i guess with all of them did did you get them all at the same t- um did you manage to do them all in one go or the first the first attempt 
Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I, if you want, I can like just I'll just sort of roughly go through them sure, because sure, it's quite sure. some quite interesting sort of stories from them. Definitely. So the first one, Chima Grande. Um, I was really keen. So the because the basically the winter season is from the twenty first of of December until the twenty first of March. Okay. So it's fairly short period. Yeah. Um. So I was in the Dolomites. Um. So the first one, Chima Grande. Uh, we drove to Cortina and then up to the, up to the, to the to the car park. Um, and for the first time, I was in my Alpine career. I was accompanied by various friends, uh, photographers. Yeah. So I had because uh, normally I'd, I would, my dad would stay with the van in the valley, and I would go off on my own. Um, whereas this time I had people with me, in the base of the climb. And so, um, I kind of did my my thought processes and everything and my preparation wasn't quite as good as it should have been. Um, and then it was really, really windy. Uh -huh. um, uh, it was a cold north wind and a cold north wind on a, on a cold north face is not a good combination. Sure. Um, so I started late in the day um, um, and I said to everybody I would just uh, go to the the start of the the, the climb, uh, see what the conditions were like, maybe leave leave my gear there, um, you know, suss out the first part, uh, and then I'll come back. Um, so I reached when I reached the the actual base of the climb, even though on the call, just like 200 meters around the corner, it had been really really windy, you could barely stand up. Mm -hmm. The base of the the climb, there was no wind, okay. um, so I decided just to to start to climb, uh, climb, you know climb up uh, the route was is fairly kind of sort of straight up so if if conditions the weather turns bad the conditions turn bad it's always possible just to, to come down so I knew that if the wind did pick up um, I could just uh, come down right. but um, as I was climbing the you know the wind in there didn't appear um, it was kind of really still it was really cold I mean on a on a north face it's, in winter it's, it's cold yeah um, and the Chima Grande is different from the other North Faces in, in the fact that it's a pure rock climb. Um, so even if you climb it in summer, in August, it's quite cold on the fingers. Mm -hmm. uh, but in December, uh, it's uh, it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's also interesting well, I can't because. Well, imagine. <laughs> honest, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> and in winter, it's, it's interesting on a rock climb because. The bits where it normally would be easy, so where you have like a like sort of bigger ledges, they're covered in snow, so right. they're actually harder. So you, the transition between rock climbing on the steeper part, which is kind of the same, usually yeah. if it's dry, if the rock is dry, it's kind of the same. It's just really cold on your fingers. But you have to get used to that. Mm -hmm. um, but then when you transition onto an easier part, you you're in rock climbing shoes, so you have to sort of go into the snow with your rock shoes. Um, and it's actually really more actually really difficult so the easier bits are more difficult in winter right um, yeah it's, it's like the winter is like winter climbing is sort of upside down climbing in, in a way okay. it just it's completely strange yeah um so because i started late i finished the route um not late but half past four in the in the evening um, but of course this is the shortest day of the year yeah um and half past four is already going dark sure um and then um, I couldn't remember 
the descent of the of the route. I'd climbed the, the mountain before. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd even climbed the descent, done the descent like two times before in summer a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But I just couldn't remember where because you have to go along a ledge and then there is a way down somewhere. But I couldn't couldn't remember, couldn't find it. It was going dark. Okay. Um, and because I've had all these people, my preparation had been uh, as good as before, and so I forgot my head torch. Okay. Um, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so you were you you I mean you were on your own. So, were, were, there, were the kind of photographer with you or? Yeah, they, they they stayed at the bottom of the mountain, so okay. they were taking pictures. And then at a certain point, they couldn't see me anymore, sure. so they went around to the back of the mountain to wait because the descent is on the other side, on the south side. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were, they were getting very anxious because I hadn't had my phone, didn't have my phone turned on because I was climbing. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I got in contact with them and said, you know, I was fine, I was here. They were able to see where I was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so close but so far, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but then I, I I sort of I said to them that I would um, spend the night on the mountain. Okay. Um, and they knew that I didn't have any extra uh, clothing with me, so they were, they were all very. Everybody was very worried. I don't know why. I was I was quite happy spending the night. Okay. Um, so I found a. Uh, a small overhang with which underneath was free of snow, um, and a small ledge to to lie on. I laid my rope down. Um, I laid on the rope uh, and just kind of uh, laid down and shivered all night. Um, <laughs> and after yeah, and after an hour or so, I'd get up and sort of walk back along the ledge to try and uh, warm up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem was I had uh, my my socks were wet and inside my boots were wet. Yeah, so I had. I ended up with very cold feet, yeah. uh, and I got some problems with my my toes. Okay. Uh, but it was a, it was a, yeah it was a, a long night, long, longest night of the year. I was there shivering on a ledge. Great. Um, what were, were you? Were you? Were you? I mean, were the moments where you just like, oh my god, what a you know, I should have tried harder to get down, or were you just kind of fairly zen about it? Well, um, yeah. I mean, after a few hours of darkness, then the moon rose and. It was quite bright, mm-hmm. um, so I sort of went to look at the the descent again, and I still couldn't find. I couldn't remember the way down. I couldn't remember exactly which, because you don't want to go down one uh, one bit and get lost in in the, the wrong wrong way. Um, so I still couldn't remember. Um, so I decided, okay, I'll wait until tomorrow morning. You know, there is time. Um, uh, I don't have any food, water, but I'll, you know, I'm gonna I'm not gonna die. You know, mm-hmm. I'll just you know. So the next morning I woke up early. I went to the because the route doesn't quite go to the summit. You have to climb. I climbed to the summit, really nice sunrise, uh, and then went back down and then was able to to find the descent or at least what I thought was wasn't actually the correct descent to begin with, but it was was a descent of sorts. And then yeah. um, I was able to climb down the mountain safely. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I mean. I knew that because I mean descending a mountain is is probably more dangerous than actually climbing up. It's you know yeah. you you're at the top and you have euphoria. Oh, yeah, we climbed this. You know this is great. And then you sort of maybe lose concentration. You're tired on the descent, mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably the most dangerous time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and then so we. I mean, I guess this is a, a general question for all of your things. Did did you kind of feel a great sense of jubilation at you know when you got down to the bottom where you do you look back and analyze it kind of critically or do you just you know take it as it is and move on to the next one how, how do you kind of digest 
what you've just um, yeah it's quite difficult i think um the transition between from being on your own on a mountain to suddenly getting down and then being with people that i always find really hard it takes mm -hmm. a, a while to adjust mm -hmm. i mean i'm i really concentrate all you have to concentrate the whole time and then there's a certain point where you sort of step off the mountain and maybe you step down back onto a path or you know it, it's relatively easy uh, not climbing anymore but just walking and suddenly there's, there's a certain point where you you feel safe yeah. and so all the tension sort of can drain away from your body and so you feel really good yeah um, but then you usually still have to walk out um and then you know you get tired and, um and then 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 when you when i think always my my father never really was able to i don't know why because we, we've done this 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 alpinism so so long you know i've gone off on my own and i've come back to him um he always wants to talk to me and ask me about the route yeah, you know he wants to know how it went you know how was it yeah uh, and did i enjoy it and and everything you know but i i need like 10 15 minutes um to adjust to being back with someone again yeah um and then then after that i'm fine i can you know but so i always find the getting back down to the the real world to realities um the adjustment is is quite difficult yeah. to begin with yeah i mean being alone and even though for a, what would be a relatively short amount of time or 24 hours even it's it's well, such an intense it, feeling yeah, it's such an intense exactly. period even when it's less, even when it's just for a couple of hours, it's the, the adjustment is still quite difficult. It's you know, it takes a, it takes a while to readjust. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, okay, so so you you uh, you got over the first one. Um, were you clear which which one were you you were going to do next? Yeah, uh, because of Pinsobedilia, because of it being so difficult to get in right conditions, um, because there hadn't been any snow so far in the winter. I knew I had to get that one done and out of the way. Yeah. Um, so that was that was next. Okay. So uh, I think it was um, middle of January. Um, we drove because the the Pizzabadilli is on the uh, Italian Swiss Swiss border. Okay. Um, so we had to the, the north face is actually in Switzerland. So we had to drive from Italy around into Switzerland. Um, and we were very lucky in the fact that in summer you can you can drive up a a very small small track into a valley mm -hmm. uh, and then you have a shorter approach normally in winter it's closed because there's too much snow but because there was no snow we were we got special permission from the from the community to to drive up um, right. so that kind of helped us so it was it was a good start good start to them so yeah 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 and um, um yeah and how was the route uh so the route was was really good um so walked up to the hut uh with a photographer uh, and the next morning we set out early to the, to the to climb to start to the to the start of the climb. I left him there and I went off on my own. Um, and sort of fairly fairly straightforward climbing. Um, and then it started to become more technical. The rock was more uh, more smooth. Uh, I had to find the cracks underneath. Um, but you know, after a bit, you get into the rhythm. Um, uh, it just, you know, the whole your whole being is concentrating on, on climbing. You know, you're like in a bubble, effectively. Right. Um, and the bubble sort of your bubble floats upwards, and everything else around you. I mean, you're aware of other sounds, you're aware of 
maybe a helicopter or a plane flying above or maybe, maybe someone else nearby you're aware of them but it, it doesn't affect you particularly you know you still stay in your bubble yeah um yeah. otherwise there was no there was no one around me it was just me on the mountain sure. um and then um i was you know i wasn't that fast particularly um but it takes a while to 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 put in the protection and and also it was more difficult than normally normally you would, in the summer you would follow the rock you follow the corners but the corners were full of snow so i had to make deviations and mm -hmm. so and then i had to uh, it was getting dark, uh, so I had to bivouac. Right. Um, and I was—I knew there was a sort of a space, place where I could possibly find a, a bivouac. Um, uh, uh, do you plan to bivy up there? Uh, yeah, I had everything with me. Yeah. Um, so I mean, because I mean, the first ascent I had taken nothing, and then the the second ascent I took too much. Right. Yeah, you know, sort of overcompensated. Okay. You, know, <laughs> you didn't want another cold night. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was able to dig sort of half a snow hole. Mm -hmm. This is in the, in the middle of a, a huge face. Dig half a snow hole, uh, and then I just had enough room to lie across, just enough room to, so my feet didn't quite hang over the edge. Okay. It was so, you know just just per, the perfect length and, and, and width yeah. for me to lie down. Yeah. Uh, it was really good. I mean, I, I still remember that the night was just incredible. Uh, it was really cold, really clear, mm -hmm. really silent. It was absolutely amazing night. Okay. Uh, I, I, um, just, I think, yeah, the silence. I think just the silence, yeah. no sound. Right. It was just amazing. And the next day, uh, I started. A uh, lunchtime, I was at the top, and then I descended into the on the Italian side. Yeah. Me and my the photographer, my father, had driven round and they they were down the valley i spent another night in a hut on the town side and then and i remember the next day um i was i was walking down in the valley i heard the the roar of the river and the and the, the river seemed so loud to me because it had been in silence for you know almost two days sure. and suddenly the, the river was like it was really loud really disturbing right. it was really strange it just this this noise yeah yeah like 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 living in the country and going to the city yeah exactly it's a just a bit overwhelming yeah, you how you can live with this amount of noise right um, so then yeah the transition between being on your own and and then being somewhere you know down is it's difficult do you when you were when you were kind of bivying um on the mountain and enjoying the do, do you have to kind of take a step back and say right i need to enjoy this moment here i am this is unique or is it does it just kind of come natural do you, you know? um no i think you're too busy um I, I, especially when you're on your own you're, you're too busy mm -hmm. um because when you're solo climbing if if you're not doing something if you're not doing uh calling the rope or if you're not climbing or if you're not making the belay uh, or if you're not making uh maybe boring the water or if you're not digging the snow hole mm. nothing's going to happen you know you can't yeah. have a rest and your partner takes over it's just, so it's really it's a very in your time it's all the time it's very intense period yeah um you, you just completely focus on what you're doing mm -hmm. um um but then yeah it's, i mean I, I really i mean yeah i mean solar climbing is very risky um you know that even with the rope um, one fall and you know you're going to seriously hurt yourself sure um, or even worse yeah um, so it's not 
Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the climbing, but it's not that I ha I was able to particularly enjoy while I was doing it because I was so concentrating on on not falling, you know, on keeping everything safe. Okay, um, and do, I mean, do do you have a kind of a is is there a kind of a, a healthy fear, or is it again, is it very kind of process? driven i mean you're 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 you're, cons you're you're making sort of thousands of decisions probably a minute or things running through your head how do you you know how do you mitigate that risk do you mitigate that risk um, at every kind of step good question um i don't know i mean i'm not sure uh i think the risk is you said the risk is something that you have to accept um but by making sure you're mentally prepared and physically prepared and technically prepared you you're sort of reducing the risk in a way yeah um, there's always going to be there's always always going to be this risk yeah. anytime something can fall down uh rock fall uh sword fall piece of ice mm -hmm. um you know a hold breaks it's it, th these are things that you can't control. So there's certain aspects that you can't control. Yeah. You can't control the weather, uh, but you can look at the weather forecast and you can look at the sky and you can be aware of what's happening in the atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. You can't control it. Um, so there's certain things that, uh, you know, that you can't control, but then the things that you can control, you try and, you know, I don't know. It's not really about, you can't particularly minimize the risk because solar climbing really is, is sort of, maximizing the risk yeah. um it doesn't actually make sense why would you want to solo climb mm -hmm. um why would you not go you know have someone else climb with you uh, and trying to keep you safe um but i think solo climbing is so because it's just you it, it's such a, a a big feeling of accomplishment if you've climbed something um you know you just it's because it's all it's very I mean, it's an incredibly selfish thing to do solo um, right. Why is that? So yeah, it's all about you. I mean, yeah, it's all about it's just your own feelings of of accomplishment. That's that's all it, all it amounts to. Um, hmm. and, and 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 is solo climbing something that you still prefer? I mean, I know I know I know you kind of mix it, you mix it up a little bit, but is it solo it's climbing funny. that kind of gives them the biggest kind of? not kicks but do you know what i mean it, it, it gives the greatest sense of achievement for you personally and um, yeah it's funny i mean the last couple of years i've done less solo climbing so i, I mean i i think i will always solo solo climb mm -hmm. uh, i mean for instance i remember when i was uh probably eight or nine um we were, we were climbing um in scotland and my dad said to me right we've done this why don't we go over there and do that climb? Mm -hmm. uh, and I said to him, ah, well, I've actually already soloed that one. <laughs> right. Okay. He didn't, he, first, he didn't believe me. Okay. Um, so he said, right, well, you know, show me. So we went back and I, I did the, I climbed the, the route again. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's, so it's not something, it's a very much a part of my DNA. Solo climbing is, is, is me. Um, yeah. But it's not that I need... In the last few years, I felt I haven't needed to solo as much. I haven't felt the need. Okay. You know, it's, you have to really, you have to really, you have to really have this 
de desire to solo. It's it, you know it's so mentally challenging um, that you you really have to have this deep desire. So in the last few years, I haven't felt this desire as much. Yeah, maybe because I did so much. I mean, so much solo climbing. Yeah. Um, and then I've you know I've, you, you meet more people, you meet more climbers, you, you meet friends, you want to experience climbing and, and mountains and and roots with them you know it's a different aspect um sure. but i mean i still solo and i always will solo. that's a, a huge part of of me right okay okay um okay and then what uh, of, of of those six that you did that winter did were they all as smooth as the first couple um then the next one um so then the weather was kind of the weather patterns weren't very good so it wasn't until mid uh, or like second week of February that I went to the Matterhorn, um, which I, I'd never climbed on the Matterhorn before, so it was really new experience. And that went, yeah, that went really well. Um, uh, it was quite a smooth. Again, it was it was it was very windy, um, yeah. so the, normally the lifts are open, you can reach quite easily with skis um, the base. But we had because the lift was so windy, the lifts were closed, so we had to ski in. Uh, more, but that was nice because I meant you know there was no people around. It was, you know, in itself, it's a nice experience. Sure. Um, uh, it was very cold, but yeah, the descent itself was was very smooth. Descent was was smooth. It was that was fine. Um, then then yeah, the weather was worse for a while, um, and so it was sort of the beginning of beginning of March. Then I sort of knew that didn't have very much time left. Yeah. Um, so my dad and I sort of we we went towards Chamonix where the next two 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 plans would be um, to to be in place when you know the conditions uh, and when improved. Yeah. And then uh, I went to climb the Grand Jurass, uh, another mountain I never never climbed on before. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember I remember approaching the North Face the day before, um, going up the glacier, and there's this huge huge wide north face in front of me mm. and i was kind of like a like a kid in a candy store you know i could have you know i could choose whatever i wanted you know I yeah could climb this one or this one or <laughs> this one um it's just incredible and there was one one line that sort of almost jumped out was sort of saying to me climb me climb me climb me and that's the uh the mcintyre colton route which is sort of between the buttresses there's this um ice and, and mixed line uh, and that was really sort of that was really speaking to me. To you know, that was the line to to climb. I could have you know could cho choose any any route. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that one was really sort of speaking to me personally. Okay. Uh, and then yeah, and that ascent went very very straightforward. Um, it's fine. I mean, the thing with, with climbing our faces, um, it's very it's very cold. Usually quite silent. Yeah. Um, and then you reach the top. Uh, and usually, you know, you, you climb a, a big route in a, on, a, on a nice day, so you know it's blue sky. You're at the top, uh, and you're in there. It's really, really welcoming to be in the sun again. Yeah. Um, but the sun, the sun brings its own problems. You know, on the warm on the on the south side, um, the 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 sun warms up the the snow. Uh, it makes avalanche risk. Yeah, yeah. Um, it warms up the seracs, then if you fall down, so we're on the north face. Um, the cold uh, binds all the ice and the rock together, um, so it's it's relatively safe. Yeah. Um, but 
No, but Paul, I think I don't know if that's something that maybe most people will understand about the fact that it's perhaps safer on a cold north face than it is on a, a warm south face. Right. Um, I think it's a bit of you know it's sort of a it's something that I think it's difficult to understand. Um, but yeah, because the snow's looser and there's yeah there's just kind of more the ice isn't yeah as fixed on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the cold keeps everything, holds the mountain together, you know? Sure, sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then since we're in Chamonix, then the, the, the fifth was to be the Petit Drew, another mountain I never climbed on before. Um, so when you haven't climbed the mountain before, you don't necessarily know descent. Um, you know, so there's a lot more worries, of, you know, a lot more mental anguish in... in in the fact you don't know the way down, so you, you're going to have to spend all this time climbing. Yeah. Uh, you don't know the way down, so you're still going. Then you're still going. Even when you're go to the top, you're still going to going to take. It's going to take a lot of concentration to find the descent. Yeah. Um, you don't know if you're going to find it. You know, there's a lot more, a lot more mental, mental anguish, and it's more difficult to sort of commit to to, to something like that. Right. Um, with the with the Drew, I went up. Um, and and slept at the base of the, the wall and then again it was really windy it was really windy the next day um and it seemed to me the forecast wasn't very good so i went back down to the valley i reached the when i reached the valley and um, my dad said to me you know wow he was really surprised to see me he said why you're back tomorrow the weather forecast is really good right. um and i was like ah oh, no you know maybe that's i've just blown my chance to, to climb yeah, all six um yeah. So, uh, so the next day, it takes a day to get to the base of the the climb, basically. Um, okay. The next day, I went up, and then I knew even the weather forecast was sort of a bit ambiguous. It was wasn't that promising, but I knew that I just wanted to to try anyway. Even if the weather was not very good, I would just try and climb. You know, mm. um, fortunately, the day was was cold and clear. Uh, it didn't start snowing until I reached the the top. So I reached the top, the summit, uh, after eight and a half hours of climbing, um, and it started to snow. Um, and then I, I was able to find the descent, and, um, and I fell down. And then it was funny because almost almost the most dangerous part of the day was just the last two hundred meters to reach my tent right. because the visibility was so bad. There was fresh snow. Yeah. There was no tracks in the snow, and I couldn't see where the crevasses were to cross the glacier. Right. So, you yeah. Know, oh my gosh. The, the easiest part is always is the, the most difficult. Just the last two hundred meters to reach the tent when you're the most tired, you just want to lie down and sleep. Yeah. And drink some tea. Yeah. So I remember that was. Yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Good grief. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then there was just one left. Um, but with it, with the clo- with the closing window. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this, I think the Petit Drew was um, 16th of March, I think. Okay. Or 15th of March or something like that. So, I mean, only a few days left. Um, fortunately, the, the weather focus was really good. Conditions on the Eiger were really, really good. Uh, I mean, the Eiger is a very special mountain for me and for, for my family. It's kind of very interlocked. It's like almost a, the Eiger is almost a, another family member. Really? Um, so why, why, is it, why, why is that? What 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 has kind of well, loaded I mean, so much? The reason is because when 
my mom climbed Niagara for the first time, the North Face of Niagara for the first time in 1988. Um, she was actually six months pregnant with me. Right. Um, so I, I climbed the Niagara before I was born. Okay. So I mean, that's why I have a, such a special feeling. Uh, and then I've I spent a lot of time climbing on the Niagara. I've done a lot of routes. Uh, I've climbed my own new routes on the Niagara. Um, so it's I've I've climbed Niagara with my sister, and she she was the first woman to snowboard down the the west flank. And so it's you know it's a real you know it's a real special mountain. Yeah. So to finish uh, to finish the six mile faces with the Niagara was actually really special, but it wasn't. It didn't. It was came about by chance because the other mountains came in condition before. Okay. Um, it wasn't uh, a choice. Did, did did you find it more? I mean, as as more poignant. I mean, it would have been more poignant than the others. Did did that kind of manifest itself in sort of more stress or more kind of joy or you know did it was this a, a different experience climbing the Eiger for those reasons? Um, I don't know. I mean, even though I've climbed the Eiger many times, I've done numerous winter ascents. Um, I never actually climbed the, the original 1938 Heckmeyer route. And that's always something I'd, I'd wanted to do. So, um, and so by, with you know, Six More Faces, that was one of them. And that was really, I was really looking forward to climbing. It's such a, a really amazing route. Like, it takes this wandering natural line up this big North Face, mm-hmm. um, the, the line of least resistance. And so it was always something I was really looking forward to. Unfortunately, the, uh, I don't know. In Chamonix, I picked up a really bad cold um, on in the on the bus or in the in the in the tram, yeah. and so I was really feeling really bad. Um, and in fact, when I woke up that morning to climb the Eiger, I really, I really didn't, I didn't want to get out of bed. Never mind climb the Eiger. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is the 19th of March. Only a couple of days left. I don't know if tomorrow the weather conditions will be as good. You know, today is the day. So. Um, I literally had to sort of drag myself up the climb, which was a shame because I, you know I've been looking forward to this route for so long. Yeah, and conditions were really, really good. Um, I really, I didn't enjoy the climbing at all because I was feeling so awful. Right. Uh, it just seemed. I remember the, the last, the last part to the summit just seemed to take forever. Just the summit never came near. It didn't, didn't get near at all. Okay. Um, so eventually I reached the, the top. Uh, first of all, sat down and rested. Um, and then, after sort of about ten minutes, uh, suddenly, suddenly I felt better. It was almost like a a huge weight that I've been carrying around, a huge big lump of concrete, had just like lifted off my shoulders. I suddenly felt so so much better. Right. You know, yeah. All the tension, all my my personal tension and, and pressure I put on myself to climb these six no faces within this short time, um, you know, it, it evaporated. You know, suddenly, I've done it. Yeah. Except still, I had to get down off off the mountain. But you know, for that moment, I I felt really happy, and it was just I felt really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so the wet the descent from the Eiger is is had a lot of uh, bad accidents over the years. It's it's really easy, but somehow it's when it's easy, you know, it's very easy just to lose concentration and flip. And once you start falling, and that's it, you just slide forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so I knew I I had to really concentrate, keep my concentration. Even though you know I had this real big, uh, I had this joy, I had this satisfaction of climbing the snow faces. But I knew I still had I had to sort of forget that. I had to put that, I had to sort of lock that away 
in a, in a cupboard somewhere until I got down. I still had to concentrate going down. Yeah. And in fact, well, as I started climbing, going down, um, slowly and carefully, I, I, I saw these um, orange pieces of plastic in the snow, and I didn't didn't understand what they were. Um, I didn't con so there was, when I was on the summit, there was some other some, some some other people on the summit too who would come up the west flank to ski back down. Uh, and one of those who just left just before I uh, or just as I was riding the summit was wearing an orange helmet. But but I didn't connect the these pieces of plastic with the helmet he was wearing. I didn't make the connection. Until lower down, I found a glove, uh, and then lower down, I could see something in the snow which looked like a body. Right. Um, it was two French skiers, very, very good skiers, and one of them had, had, had fallen uh, and banged his head, the helmet had broken, and he, and he died. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that kind of passing the body, um, sort of, fortunately, there were some other people, so they were able to organize the helicopter, and as I, even before I reached the bottom of the, the mountain, the helicopter came and took the body off. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to deal, deal with that. But that kind of you know that kind of kind of put a, a sort of a dark cloud over what I'd done. You know, it sort of yeah. didn't seem. You know, it doesn't seem not. I shouldn't really be happy about what I'd done because you know he, he died. And it was really interesting because when my mom saw the dagger in '93, um, she was completely alone on the on the mountain. There was less people because the conditions were worse. Mm -hmm. um, and as she was descending, she started to find some equipment. She found some gloves, a rucksack. And lower down, she found the body of a, a Spanish guy who'd fallen and died. And because she was alone, she had to then, um, or she had to then uh, tell the uh, at the station. She had to tell the um, uh, about this body and organize uh, the the helicopter and stuff. And the guy had to come, and and so she had to deal deal with that. I was spared dealing with that. But it was interesting that you know the same almost the same thing happened uh, to to us both. It's very. Um, it's very sad, but it's, I think it's amazing how, you know, it's not deja vu almost. It's, yeah. you know, um, so that kind of, for that, for that evening, for that afternoon, that evening, and uh, for a few days, it sort of put a whole, a dark cloud over the whole project for me. But, but, but now looking back, it's, you know, it really feels good, you know, yeah. satisfied. And, and amazing, and a, well, in, incredible achievement. And I guess that the parallels with, you know what what your mother did as well that that kind of adds an extra level yeah, of I mean, poignancy to it doesn't it and um it's a real special uh, family history and uh, really you know the the son carrying on from from the mother you know taking her her achievement and sort of um amplifying it and, and making it you know so, so but making it in my own way you know making it making it my own and sort of yeah that's right that's really really nice yeah 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 um and I mean, just to kind of wrap up, what, 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 where, what's, what's next for you? What's, you know, what's kind of, um, what are you excited about coming up, and what are your plans? Are you going to stick around the Dolomites and more? Um, yeah, I think. I, I, yeah, I think so for the for the autumn. Yeah, um, keep an eye on conditions in in the in the in the Western Alps. Um, I've got a lot of stuff to do. I really, I've done sort of. Comparatively little in the Western Alps than rather than over in the, um, the Eastern Alps and the Dolomites. So I'd like to sort of explore there a bit more. Uh, I've got various friends who want to do various things, so um, that'll be good. Uh, and then I think um, just 
starting to organize an expedition this winter um, to somewhere very cold. <laughs> very cold mountain, which is really exciting, but it shouldn't yeah. be. Right. <laughs> but, um, so that's kind of, you know, that's really exciting. I'm just trying to, it's something we, uh, my, me and my friend had sort of, we, we talked about before, but we sort of put it off. And then now, actually just last night, actually we were, we were talking and um, we said, right, okay, we should, we should, you know, we should do it this this winter. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite oh, excited right. about that. So it's coming up. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, but you can't say mention anything yet. No, no, I mean it's literally just. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Early planning stages. Oh yeah. well, we will 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 watch with interest. Um, Tom, that's just been really insightful and and really interesting. So I really thank you for your time. Um, oh, you're welcome. Yeah. You're and welcome. Uh, so, what, what what's the rest of the day got? in store you going uh, out climbing think, yeah going climbing it's still still blue sky uh it's uh we had some bad weather recently hopefully we can find some dry rock to climb in the sun um yeah should be good sounds good. To it. good good well enjoy the rest of your day i'm sure you will Thank and you. uh yeah Thanks. best of luck thanks tom and there we go thanks tom that was just a really interesting and insightful conversation so i really appreciate your time and I uh, really appreciate you guys listening in as well. We'll be back next month with another in-depth interview. Uh, hopefully you can join us then. 